My name is Alan. I'm one of the uh, pastors here at RCC, and it's my uh, privilege to be able to lead us in our teaching today. We're wrapping up a four-part series, a four-week series, that we've titled The Spirit Speaks. We believe that God not only has spoken in the past, but we believe that he speaks today and that he speaks to his people and that when he speaks to his people, it's his living, it's his active word that comes to us. One of the things that we've been focusing on over these past four weeks has been giving attention to one of the primary ways, primary means by which God speaks to us, and that is he speaks to us through his word, his written word. And uh, we're going to tighten things up. We're going to conclude things uh, today as it relates to that series. There's so much more that we could share, uh, but we'll be getting to that uh, down the road. But before we go any further, uh, how about joining me in a word of prayer so that God truly does speak to us to his word today. Let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you for the the great worship uh, that we've experienced, uh, hearing testimonies. God, you are at work, and we just say thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And Father, we pray that you just continue to work so that as we open your word and continue this series on The Spirit Speaks, we pray, Father, that you would open our eyes, that you would open our hearts, that you would open our souls, and speak to us. Father, that where there is discouragement, where there is depression this morning, I pray that you would just speak hope, that you would just speak joy, that you would just speak courage, that where there is fear, where there is anxiety, Father, I pray that you would just speak boldness, that you would just speak faith into our hearts and into our lives. Father, that where there is anger, where there is jealousy, where there is bitterness, that you would just speak love, that you would just speak peace. So, Father, have your way. Uh, Awaken us to your love. Awaken us to the beauty of your love, to the power of your love, and transform us, Father, by your love. For we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I know this is a new uh, earpiece or something like that, but it keeps on. I've got small ears, you know? And I really need to tighten these things really tight so that they don't fall off. So if things get louder or quieter, my apologies. I think this thing will stay on just fine for the remainder of our time. So uh, how are we doing? Has this series been a good series for those of you who have been traveling with us over the past three, four weeks? It's been a great series. Yes, yes. It's been great to have uh, Antley and, and Josh sharing with us on the the importance and the power and the priority of God's Word. And the way I'd like to kind of uh, conclude things today is is to kind of put it in this particular statement. And this has been, uh, and I've been in ministry for a number of years, been a teaching pastor, been doing this for quite some time, but this has been a tough week for me. Uh, I've wrestled with this and and, and tried to kind of put the pieces together to this message, and uh, it's popping off my ear. It's been a, a real kind of wrestling match. Uh, the, the idea that comes to me is, think, if you will, of a pinball machine. And you, you pull the thing, and the ball's going all over the place. And, and you hope that it's going to get into the hole, and, and it's going to be a successful uh, pull. 
And so my prayer is that as I've kind of, and this is unnatural to me and not usual to me, that I've been kind of all over the place, good things, but Lord, how are we going to bring this all together uh, in, in a way that the ball truly sinks in each of your hearts and in each of your souls and in each of your minds in such a way that you register with it, that you connect with it, that God gives life. Uh, One of the key scriptures that we've been uh, working our way through or highlighting through this series is a scripture in 2 Timothy chapter 3. The the idea is that when we come to scripture, there there are some key things that we need to to acknowledge and to to embrace and to highlight. And I just want to point out some of those that we've already covered and then just kind of bring it together for what we're going to focus on in our time and the remainder of our time together today. Uh, First of all, is when we read uh, in 2 Timothy chapter 3 that God's word is, is breathed from him. God's word is breathed of him. It says it's inspired, it's God-breathed, so that it can equip each and every one of us for life. So we believe that all of Scripture is God-breathed, that the breath of God, that the life of God, that the activity of God is in and behind and through his written word, so that as we read it, we are equipped for life. And it's interesting that the word equip is actually a term that was used in kind of the medical field. So back in the day, if you broke a bone in your arm or your leg, and a surgeon came and fixed that bone, a broken bone, and restored it and repaired it, what that doctor was doing was equipping your leg. In other instances in the Gospels where you read about the disciples mending nets, their nets were broken and so they mended their nets, that's the word equip. So the beauty and the power of God's word is that as we read it, as we absorb it, as we take it in, it repairs our brokenness. It restores our brokenness. It refreshes us. It reinvigorates us so that we can live the life that we've been called to. That's powerful. We are all broken people, right? We're all in the process of being restored. We're all in the process of being renewed. We're all in the process of being repaired. And a key part of that process is to read God's Word, to absorb God's Word, to take God's Word in because it is God-breathed. 2 Timothy chapter 3. And then in Hebrews 4, another key passage, which just reinforces all of that, is that God's Word is alive. It's not dead. It's not static. It's not some historical book that is meant to collect dust. It's alive. It's real. It's fresh. It's not baked goods that have gone bad or canned goods or meat that's gone bad. It's fresh. It's alive. It's pertinent. It's germane. It's real. And it's active. It's alive and it's active. It's active in that when it goes into our lives, it accomplishes the purpose by which it was created for. And so God's word is important. God's word is extremely critical for our growth. And so we believe in God's word. And so that's important. But the other piece that we've also noted in the past few weeks is this. That the ultimate word, that the ultimate revelation, that the ultimate uh, revelation and perfect revelation of God is who? Is Jesus. And we'll recall from the Gospels that, you know, the Pharisees, Jesus was 
telling the Pharisees, look, you come to the Scriptures thinking that in them you find life? No. It's by coming to me that you find life. The Scriptures point to me, but I am the ultimate living word, the Logos. And so here we have the Word of God, the written Word of God, as God breathes, as alive, as active, but it points to Jesus, who is the ultimate revelation, the ultimate person who actually repairs us, equips us, restores us, and heals us. And so what I want to do today, and this is kind of the big idea statement, which kind of brings together some of the things we've talked about, but leads us into one area that we haven't talked about, that we need to talk about, that is critical as it relates to the Word of God in our lives. And this is it. Jesus is the treasure. The scriptures are the treasure map that lead us to the treasure. But in order to understand and interpret the treasure map correctly, we need a treasure guide, which is Jesus himself. You see, Jesus is the end of scripture, but also the means to getting to the end of scripture. You see, Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of scripture. Scripture points to him and leads us to him, but in order for scripture to do that, we need Jesus to guide us in the process of reading scripture so that it goes to him. Because if it doesn't happen, scripture can become destructive in our lives and in the lives of people. And this is very, very, very important and critical. Put up on the screen Luke chapter 24, if we could. Uh, this is the road to Emmaus, uh, Jesus and uh, the two disciples. And here's a piece, a portion from uh, Luke 24, starting at verse 30, going to verse 32. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Do not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? You see, here the point is, and there's lots that we could focus on is this is that Jesus opened the scriptures for them and so we need to have Jesus come into our lives and open the scriptures so that we can see its power its beauty its truth so that it can have its impact in our lives one of the best statements in scripture for me as it relates to Jesus is is this phrase that he uses quite often in the gospels he says you've heard it said but I tell you you've heard it said but I tell you, I, I think that the big idea here, my sense is, is that there are a lot of us as Christ followers that are still living under a, you've heard it said. But you haven't allowed Jesus to come into your life to actually say, but I tell you. You've heard it said, but I tell you. So many different voices, even from the scriptures and how maybe you've grown up and understood the scriptures, that you have this, you've heard it said. But Jesus says, let me tell you. Now, there were a few instances in the Gospels where Jesus is uh, in the Mount of, the Sermon on the Mount, if you remember that, where uh, Jesus is uh, having this uh, teaching time on the mountain, and he's saying, you've heard it said that, uh, you know, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, you know, hate your enemies, but I tell you, love your enemies. Now, wait a second. I mean, the, the law did say, the Old Testament law did say, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But Jesus comes along and says, mm -mm, love your enemies. You've heard it said, but I tell you. What's going on there? 
And we see him not only doing that verbally, but we see him doing that in his actions in the Gospels. For example, uh, the woman caught in adultery. She is caught in adultery. Remember the scene? There's, there's uh, teachers of law, there's Pharisees, there's people gathering. Jesus comes up. The law said that woman should, what? Die. That's what the law said, that she should be stoned to death. You've heard it said that she should be stoned to death, but I tell you, you are not condemned. Go and sin no more. In fact, those of you, and the Greek could actually put it this way, the syntax, you, without this particular sin, be the first to throw the stones. And so Jesus comes in and he, he, he revolutionizes and he reinterprets and he gives us the correct understanding of what Scripture is. Another, another instance where Jesus is radically kind of coming along and saying, you've heard it said, but I tell you, is the Sabbath. I mean, Jesus did, I mean, he was in, in some sense a Sabbath lawbreaker. I mean, back in the Old Testament, there are so many instances, but there's this one dude who goes out and picks sticks and stones on the Sabbath. You can't do that on the Sabbath. So what happens to this guy? He gets killed. He dies. They kill him. Why? Because he picked sticks and stones on the Sabbath. That was the law. I mean, sticks and stones truly broke his bones that day for that dude. Sorry for him. But what does Jesus do? He comes on the scene, and what is he doing? He's healing people on the Sabbath. He's encouraging his disciples to, you know, pick corn on the Sabbath. I mean, what is going on? What is going on here? Well, what's going on is is that sometimes we can read Scripture in such a way that it can become destructive to the lives of others and destructive to ourselves. And unless Jesus guides us in the process and opens our eyes, we will not see its full beauty and its full glory. A passage that I'd like to read here and draw our attention to is 2 Corinthians 3. 2 Corinthians 3, verses 2 to 6. Paul writes these words. You yourselves are our letter of recommendation written on our hearts to be known and read by all. And you show that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God, who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. You see, the Bible, without the Spirit, has the potential to kill and to be destructive in the lives of people. And we can see history littered with that reality. There have been people who have used Scripture to promote genocide. There have been people who have used Scripture to promote slavery and stand for slavery. There have been people who have used Scripture to abuse women and to put women in their rightful place in a destructive, in an unhealthy way. There have been people that have used Scripture to actually, when people, when glasses were coming out, there's actually a law in Leviticus that if you've got a, and that, well, we're going to read that in just a moment, but if you've got a, uh, how's it uh, phrased here? Uh, uh, kind of a blemish or a defect in your sight, 
you couldn't approach God. And so people said, look, you're sinning when you're putting glasses on. I mean, there were actually a group of Christians that believed that back in the day when glasses were uh, coming on board. Now, that's, that's crazy. Now, today, you know, there's, there's some Christians that will say, look, if you take medicine, you're being unfaithful. And they'll, they'll, they'll take Scripture, and they'll manipulate it, and they'll twist it towards that end. But it's just as ridiculous as if someone coming and saying, look, you're wearing glasses. Scripture doesn't allow you to do that because you can't approach God with a blemish in your eye. You've got to clear the blemish, and you can't correct the blemish with glasses. I mean, this is ridiculous. And you're going, yeah, this is ridiculous. But people are still doing it in different ways. You see, the Word of God, when it's interpreted correctly, when you allow Jesus to open the Scriptures to us, it is life-giving. It brings freedom, because where the Spirit of the Lord, there is freedom. But without the Spirit, that's why Paul says, I mean, he's looking at the law, he's looking at the Old Covenant, and he's actually saying, look, folks, that will kill you. That will destroy you. I mean, you, I mean the whole book of Hebrews is about that. You think Jesus is a supreme revelation, the supreme revelation of God, but everything prior to that is obsolete. And so how, how do we come to Scripture in such a way that it points us to Jesus and in such a way that it equips us, it restores us, it heals us, it takes our brokenness and mends us, especially when some of those passages that we read are a little bit ugly or a lot ugly. Because what did we say through this whole series? We believe that all of Scripture, not just some of it, but all of Scripture is inspired. All of Scripture is God-breathed. All of Scripture can come into your life and repair you and restore you and heal you and revitalize you and revive you. It can do all of that stuff. But we need Jesus to guide us in interpreting it and understanding it correctly. And we also need to be able to look at Scripture in, in, in the context in which it was written. Now I'm going to pause right here. And they've given me permission to do this. Is coming up. In a week and a half, we're launching our RCCU, and we've got two venues that we're going to be launching. One is if you're experiencing some brokenness in your life in the area of finances, and you want the Word of God to come and inform you and equip you and train you to get that brokenness repaired, let me catch my breath here, that we're offering a class called Financial Peace. Our very own Mike Morales is going to be leading that. That's going to be one of the offerings at RCCU. So go to the events page on the website and be sure to sign up for that. They're only taking 12 people. 12 people or 12 couples. I'm not sure. One or the other. People. 12 people. Six couples. Four couples. You figure out the math. That's going to be great. So if you want to experience the Word of God as it relates to finances, and get freedom in your finances, sign up for that. The other one, which I will be leading with a team of people, is God's Word Alive, which will get to all of this, which is how do we come to Scripture and read Scripture, particularly those ones that really don't make sense, that are really peculiar, that are really odd, that are really ugly, and actually see the beauty of God revealed in that Scripture in such a way that it changes us. Let me put a Scripture up here for an example. The next one, Leviticus uh, 
21, 16 to 20. Is that the whole 16 to 20? That's 18. Sorry, that was my bad. I'm going to read the whole thing here. 16 to 20. 18's up there. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to Aaron, saying, None of your offspring throughout their generations who has a blemish may approach to offer the bread of his God. For no one who has a blemish shall draw near, a man blind or lame, or one who has a mutilated face or a limb too long, or a man who has an injured foot or an injured hand, or a hunchback, or a dwarf, or a man with a defect in his sight, or an itching disease, or scabs. Now, you read that passage, <laughs> you read that passage, and, and you go, what the heck are you talking about, God? I mean, if, if God's Word is all-inspired, is God-breathed, and you want it to equip you, and you're coming along and you're reading these scriptures, that's the Word of God. That's the Word of God. But how are you going to see the beauty of Christ? How is that passage there going to point you to Jesus in such a way that you experience the life-giving, freedom-liberating power of Jesus himself? Well, the short answer is, come to God before we're alive. And we'll have a journey about that. Now, this is the challenge, and I want to conclude on this. There's so much more that could be said. And that is, I'd like you to put up this, uh, the last screen, the last slide. Now, Look at that picture. What do you see? You see an old lady or a young lady. And if you've been in psychology, taken a degree in psychology, or even high school, I mean, I saw this in high school during social studies, that it's what's traditionally called the old hag, old witch, slash young beautiful lady illusion. And so you look at that and you... Most often, you'll see one or the other. And some of you are going, where the heck is the young lady? Where the heck is the old lady? What the heck is that on her head? I don't know. But there are two pictures that are happening right now. The old lady, the old hag, and the beautiful lady. The beautiful lady, if you look at the, the neck, it's kind of like a neck bracelet. Her, her face is turned to the side, and you see her ear on the side, a little nose popping out. So uh, just, just Google it. And, and, and you can look at it later if you're having a hard time figuring it out. But this is what happens is that I think when Jesus comes along and says, you've heard it said, that what often we, when it comes to, whether it's the voices of our parents, whether it's the voices from the past, or, or the way we've read Scripture, the way Scripture has been used in, in our upbringing and our past, what we see when we read Scripture is the old hag, is we see the old witch. But what we need is say, Jesus, open our eyes. Spirit, open our hearts, open our minds, so that when we look at that same scripture that may be ugly at a first reading is actually beautiful and is actually a young, beautiful lady. And that is Jesus. That is Jesus. All of scripture, wherever you find it, even in those passages where God is saying to people like Joshua, wipe them out. Wipe out all the people, adults, children, wives, animals, livestock, wipe them all out. In one place, he says, wipe them all out and leave the trees. Don't cut the trees down. What is going on? These kind of scriptures and these kind of portions of God's word have really hurt people, have really hurt the church, have really been used in ways that have killed 
people. Spiritually, emotionally, mentally, and have abused people. And that's not the nature of God's word. It's beautiful. It's glorious. But how can we read all of scripture in such a way that we say, Jesus, come alongside and open our eyes so that we can see without a shadow of a doubt that what we see is Jesus and you alone. So much more could be said. So much more could be said. But the, the idea here is Jesus There may have been statements, there may be scriptures that I've heard it said, but I want to hear your words, but I tell you. This is what it means, because the scriptures all point to me. I'm the treasure. God's word is a treasure map. Don't lose the distinction between the two, but also recognize that you need a treasure guide to get to me, and that's me. Let's stand and pray. Father, we just want to say thank you for your word. And Lord, I uh, pray that uh, all that is of you would stick, would stay with us, and that your spirit would just press it into our hearts and into our minds and into our souls so much more deeply. But anything that's not of you, if there's anything that I said that is not of you, just wipe it clear from our memory. Delete it. Press that delete button and delete it, Father, so that all we hear, all we take away is the beauty of your word, the power of your word, and understanding that it's all about you and seeing your word bring us to you. So, Father, that wherever we are at in our life right now, wherever we are at in our journey right now, Father, I pray that in this time as we move to ministry as we move to a time of prayer, as we move to a time of receiving and responding to you, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just move mightily, just move mightily in our midst and take what has been shared and, Father, reveal what ultimately needs to be revealed and shared uniquely in our lives. Customize your word to our unique situation and circumstances, Father, so that we know that you are speaking specifically to us. Your word declares that you know the number of hairs on our head. And so, Father, with that particularity, with that specificity, Lord, speak to us and help us to respond in faith. So, Father, we welcome you. Have your way, Father. In Jesus' name.